You are now tuned in to the December 26th podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Hey, 26th family, welcome to another episode of the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Delisha, and this episode features Raul Dutch Wickling. Raul is a strategist who has led business development and fundraising efforts for startups in apparel, technology, and other sectors. Prior to focusing on early stage companies, Raul worked in finance at a boutique private equity shop. Now, it might sound like he has taken a very traditional path, like a lot of strategists in the startup space, but Raul's journey has had its own twists and turns. His family immigrated to the Bay Area when he was a kid, and while his parents put a huge emphasis on education, Raul decided to go in a different direction by the time he reached young adulthood. He had to find his own way in his own time. Despite reaching a level of financial comfort without a bachelor's degree, he eventually decided to return to school and put himself through not just any college, but Columbia University. I often say that if you are a 26er, your path to success is not always going to be linear. And Raul is a great example of that. So let's get into his story. Please enjoy. Raul. Yes. Hello. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I can't complain. I feel great. Welcome to the December 26th podcast. Thanks for having me. I feel like we had an interview before the interview. <laughs> I talk a lot. Because you I, came in get, like just get being in, an open book. When I so. get into it, I, I tend to be quite transparent. This is going to be this is gonna be a good one then. Thank you. I hope so. So let's so. go. Let's get into it. Who is Raul Dutch Wickling? It depends on what day you catch me. Really, um, <laughs> but on, all jokes aside, um, I'm uh, sort of a man who... who bets on himself and uh, bets on his people. You know, when I talk about people, I mean black people. You know, I, I believe that, um, you know, there's a bunch of things that 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 we need, right? Particularly, um, you know, my focus is business-wise. So I believe there's a bunch of things that we need and I believe in us enough um, to try to make some of them happen. And, you know, I've, I've had some hell of a wins and I've had some terrible losses, but they've all been lessons, you know? So that's really who I am. Just a guy who's, who's not afraid. Or let me rephrase that, a person who doesn't let his fear stop him from doing things, you know? Because I'd be lying if I said that I don't wake up sometimes and think like, man, what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. But I just push through that, you know, because I know that um, in order for you to, to accomplish anything great, there's going to be times when you're going to be unsure if not downright terrified, you know, but you have to find a way to push through that. And um, for me, the way to push through that is really, um, you know, I said this on a social media a while back, none of us went alone, you know? Um, we we are all, as, as people living in America, black and white and Asian and whatever your background may be, we're all kind of invested in this um, American exceptionism, like the lone hero, the individual, mm-hmm. right? But the reality is nobody wins alone. Um, now, you might be more responsible for the win or the loss, but you never did it alone. You, there's always people around you. So I'm, I'm very blessed to have a great group of, of, of women and men that I'm, you know, um, I can't even say that they're just friends. They're really family, you know, that 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 we rely on each other, you know, for for a number of things. But but really um, sort of just to to, you know, as me and my, my man, Dwayne, like to call it, you know, we give each other exhortations, right? Because the thing is, when you when you really try to do some things in life, um, specifically coming from where mo- coming from where most of us come from, um, there's really no guidebook, you know. Right. Like, um, there's just like you have this dream, right? And and maybe if you're fortunate, you know, your family um, is is 
you know, it's a family that values education and values learning. And, you know, that might give you like a leg up on, on some people, but then there's this vast knowledge that you need, right? In order to just to, to get into the game, right? Whatever that is. And I think that's where a lot of times, you know, we as black people, we lack. And it's not because we're bad or because we're lazy, none of that garbage. It's just that we don't have the access and we don't have the ability to access um, the resources needed for us to, to gain that knowledge. And it becomes a thing where you really need to um, have people around you who can add where you're lacking and vice mm -hmm. versa, you know? So that's that's sort of where it's at with me. So you, you know, you mentioned being someone who is willing to make the move, for lack yeah, of a better term, absolutely. even if, if the fear is there. Yeah. Um, and tying that to what you were saying about mm -hmm. like who we are culturally, yeah. I think sometimes we're afraid to take a leap because there because there is no guidebook. Mm -hmm. We have no parachute. There's nobody to fall back on a lot in a lot of instances yeah. if it doesn't work out. Yes. So where do you think your inherent ability to do it, despite all the risks and fear, where where does that come from? So um, I used to, I used to wonder that all the time, and then um, so. My my mother and father, um, they're from Suriname. It's a small country in South America, right next to right next to a Guyana and a French Guyana. It's right next to Brazil as well, Brazil and Venezuela. So um, I found out, like maybe within the last five years, that um, I, I I knew about my grand, I knew about my mother's father. I knew him. He passed away before I was born, but I knew who he was. Mm -hmm. Like I knew of him, and I know I've seen pictures of him, and she talks about him and all that stuff. But I didn't really know much about him. But um, anyway, my mother's cousin, my aunt, um, sent us this video of this ceremony, right, that they had. So um, for people not familiar, there's this this group of, of people that were captured in Africa and they were brought to the to the West Indies and to South America. And they're called Marans or Maroons, depending on what country you're in. And they were basically... Um, captured people who refused to be slaves. They were not enslaved. So in Suriname, the ones that, that came, the Maroons that came to Suriname, a group of them, rather than be enslaved, they jumped overboard. They had shackles on everything. They jumped overboard and some of them died. Some of them miraculously made it into the jungle, but most of them died. And then there was a group that just revolted. Mm -hmm. And that's my grandfather's tribe. And when my aunt sent that video, it kind of, it kind of empowered me in a way. Um, because I kind of started to realize why I am the way I am, you know, because that that stuff, you know, people can argue about it, but I really don't care. But I believe that that certain habits and, 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 and actions that people that undertook before you, it's passed down some way. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I've always had a strong spirit, you know, a strong mind. Um, I wasn't always using it in the right, <laughs> you know, framework and, and in the right direction, but I definitely had a strong mind. And I've always been a um, sort of a leader, even though I always shied away from because I don't like attention and I don't like mm -hmm. to be out front. But sometimes, you know, you have to take that role. And so watching that video, it kind of made me think of why I'm the way I am. And, and, you know, the things that they talked about in the video and, and described, I was like, yeah, this is kind of how I feel on a daily basis. Like, you know, yeah, things are against you and, 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 and there's a lot of challenges that you face, right? Just as a human being trying to make some things happen, but you can't, you just can't be afraid because look at that, right? Like that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's me. That's not, you know, I'm not making it up. Like these are my people. Like this is literally what these people did, right? And rather than, than bow, 
they they would rather be dead, you know? And it sounds dramatic because people say that all the time, but but that's just how I see it, right? Like, yeah, I'm not really doing anything remotely as heroic as that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm, I'm facing the world in my own way, facing my own challenges and refusing to let those challenges get the best of me, right? And figure out a way how to how to navigate it, you know? And and, and, and navigate the world thinking, right? I think a lot of times as, as, as young black boys, um, and, and young black men, we're not we're not always thought to face the world thinking. We're face we're facing the world reacting, right? And as, and if you react to the world, you're always going to end up on the losing end. But if you if you face the world and you think and you and you and you analyze and you strategize, you give yourself a better chance of success. There's no guarantee, but you give yourself a better chance of success. So that's sort of where that came from internally. I'm a firm believer that certain traits of our ancestors Absolutely. are embedded in our DNA. Absolutely. And, you know, it's the nature versus nurture. You may yes. not have witnessed it. Yes. But it is, I wholeheartedly yeah. believe it's passed down. Yeah. And I think I, I think I, I, I agree with you completely. But what I think um, is important is that um, I think what happens in life, there's a moment, you know, and, and uh, we talked about our, our mutual friend Elgin before. He, he says, um, shout out to Elgin. He said um, he calls it the pivot. When something happens, right, and you have to change direction or change course. And I think um, what usually happens is whatever's in you, um, life presents you with, with situations that you have to marshal whatever talent you have to, to overcome or, or navigate or, or get through whatever words you want to use, you know. And that's sort of um, where I think what you're talking about comes in, right? You tap into Absolutely. that thing and sometimes you don't even know it's there because previous situations never asked of you mm -hmm. to, to bring that to the table. So... Yeah, I agree. And shout out to Elgin Swift, for sure. former guest and yes. friend of the show. Um, we'll get into a little bit more of your connection of with Elgin a little yes. bit later. Yes. But so you have you know, two parents from yes. Suriname. From Suriname, yeah. Tell me a bit about your upbringing. Um, so my upbringing was, you know, was regular. Like we had a we had a middle class life, mm -hmm. you know, if not upper middle class. Um, at one point living in Suriname, right? And then, um. My mother, um, which is funny, I haven't talked to her in a bit because I've been running around, so I got to call her. But my mother, my mother and I used to always be at odds, right? Um, my father was more laid back, but my mother and I used to always be at odds. And the older that I get, I understand it because we're both very strong-minded. And, you know, really, um, you know, as I get older, I understand, too, that many women in her generation, and even it's getting better now, but I think there are a lot of women who are really— um, you know, there's this word that people like to throw around alpha, right? They're like mm -hmm. alpha. But there are a lot of women who are actually the alpha dog in a relationship, right? And they just don't say it. But, you know, like, you know, we all have relatives. Like, you go to their house and you kind of know, like, and, but not in a bad way. Not like she's belittling the guy, but just like she's the one that sets the stage for whatever's going to happen, right? And he's smart enough and, and comfortable enough in who he is as a man to say, yo, she's better at this mm -hmm. than I am. So we're going to follow that route, right? And my mother was one of those women. Now, the unfortunate part for her was that um, my father wasn't a guy to fall in line, right? Because he felt like he could do it, but he couldn't. Mm -hmm. Wasn't a bad guy. He just That just wasn't his thing. But my mother's really, like, my mother's a fighter, you know, go-getter. To this day, you know, she still has a bunch of stuff that she wants to do, and she talks, and she has a lot of energy. But that's really, you know, that's really who I got my my sort of values from and, and, and the way I see things. Like, we're both very relentless, like, mm -hmm. you know— that's that's just where that came from. But yeah, very middle class, you know, a lot of living in Europe as, as a black boy. Um, yeah, it was dope. Like because, you know, my family was black. Like we didn't you know, like a lot of times I see um, especially now I see a lot of, you know, racially confused people. And I don't get it because, you know, in my family um, and we all we it was it was Europe. So people intermarry. You know, I have, I have family that's Moroccan and, mm -hmm. and Moluccan and, and like 
everything. We're white, you know what I mean? Like, that's it's not new. But everyone knew, like, yo, you could be light or dark or look like you're white, but you black. This is right. black over here, right? This is Surinamese, and, and that's black. So, you know, your father might be white or your mother white or your, your mother Moroccan, but it's black. So we grew up black. We just didn't talk about it like that because, mm-hmm. but it was just, the culture was definitely black, like being comfortable, being proud, being confident, right? And and that was based on my mother really stressing education, my father as well. So we grew up, you know, in, with that in mind. And then, um, you know, it was cool. It, it, you know, we had a lot of music around. Um, my mother, mother's a fun-loving woman. My father as well, you know, we we had a big family. My father's one of 13. My mother is a only child, but she has a lot of, she well, she's she has a lot of um, half siblings, mm-hmm. but you know, so she has siblings, but, um, and we had a lot of family. So we were really just family orientated, you know, like my grandmother, um, you know, my father's, my father's mother, um, she lived, she lived there and, you know, every weekend was family time, you know, a lot of family interactions and, and, um, but at the same time, also a lot of exposure to culture, you know, a lot of reading and, um, really, you know, I, I began to understand early in life, sort of, sort of the position that black people had in the world, right? Like that, that, you know, we, we did great things, um, you know, but, Historically, we always had obstacles against us because of the nature of the world, right? Particularly the Western expansion into Africa and, and, and the West Indies and South America and all of those, and Asia and all those things. So you kind of, you know, I kind of grew up knowing that, wow, you know, like being black is dope because, you know, my family, that's what they say and that's what we, we live, right? But man, you know, you have these challenges in life, right? Just because of what you look like. And then learning how to navigate that, you know, I mean, excuse me, I remember getting in a fight as a kid, you know, this dude said something to me, I don't even know what, and we went at it and we fought like the whole class and they kicked me out of school and I went home and my mother was like, what was this? I was like, yo, this, this kid. She's like, oh, we're not having that, you know? So I, I grew up in that way, you know? And then um, it, it was it was just very, um, it was very open. You know, we, we um, yeah, it, it was just, it was it was really stereotypical European in a sense in that we, we had a very open um, society. Like I didn't grow up with a lot of, hang-ups around sex and, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, stuff like, yeah, I mean, there was some uncomfortable conversations because who the hell wants to talk to their mother about this, right? <laughs> or your father, like, you don't want to talk about this, but like, it was like, listen, if you're going to have, you know, if you're going to be around girls, like, this is what you need to do. Like, it wasn't any of this scare tactic stuff, you know, because my parents wanted to make sure that we knew that um, the focus was on education and hard right. work and that, you know, they were going to just, ha- they were just not going to have me having random children mm-hmm. in their place, you know? So it, w- it was very, it was very, I would say stereotypically middle class. So, growing up how there. old were you when you moved to Europe? I was fourteen. Oh, um, so I was born in Europe. Born in Europe. Yes, okay. I was born in Europe, but then I lived in Suriname until I was seven. Okay. And then we moved back to Europe. Now, all at this time as well, my father, um, at the time, he was a translator for the Dutch embassy. So, for people that don't know, in Europe. The Northern Europeans, they go to Southern Europe, of course. It's like people going to Florida, Mm -hmm. you know? So they go to Spain. And most of them, they don't speak the language. So the embassy has translators on deck and people who kind of take care of things, you know, language-wise for people. And that was my father's job. So we lived in Barcelona and Madrid for like three years. And so at that time, I was about 11. So then we moved moved here when I was 14. We moved here, um, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that was like a shock, right? Because, you know... um, I was like dropped. It was literally like going from, you know, like middle class, you know, whatever image you can think right. of, right? And we could, I get dropped in the hood, right? Wow. I get dropped in the hood, right? It's called Western Edition now, but I grew up in Fillmore. And anybody, if 
from San Francisco, like Filmo was like it was it was the black area, right? Oh, Filmo, I, yes, I know the about Mo, it. You know, four one five in the building. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Mo. You know, back when I was coming up, they called it the Mo, mm -hmm. and it was like it was serious, you know. And the funny thing is, right? I hear, you know, as a black immigrant, I hear, you know, on on, on social media, you, you hear a lot of back and forth between black immigrants and 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 you know, for lack of a better word, black Americans, right? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of funny because. The, the things that we think about and how we think about each other, right, is, is fascinating to me because it shows me how much we internalize. Because when I got here, yeah, you know, people make fun of you because that's what people do, right? Like, right. you know, you, you're going to get roasted. That's just that's just what it is, right? But in hindsight, man, I had so many people that, that really rocked with me, right? That were like, yo, you know, all right, you you strange dude. You talk funny, but <laughs> you're cool, you know, like, and, you know, you go through your your your, your little Tries and triple, you know, you always got to fight. That's just, that's just what, especially back then, that's just what we did. You know, 80s, 90s, we just fought. Like, we just really fought. Like, that's just what we did, right? And so, yeah, you know, got into some things. And then people were like, all right, just do it. All right, he, he good. You know, he's all right. And then I was short. I was really short. Mm -hmm. And I, I always joke with my younger sister and I, because we were the youngest when we got out. I was like, you know, really, we started eating, um, we actually used to get, like, government cheese. Like, because we were poor. You know what I mean? Like, so we get this box, right? And, um... I was like, man, it was government cheese that gave me that growth spurt. You know, because my older brother's short, my young, older sister's short, but my, my older, my younger sister's like 5'8". I think I'm bad with height, but I'm I'm like my father's height, like mm -hmm. I'm over six. I'm six one. My pa's like six two. So I, I I joke around a lot. I'm like, yo, it's the American food that made us grow, you know. And and then I hit a growth spurt, and like, you know how high school is, like you you're doing your thing, but if you if you a short dude, like, right. and I was short. And I had glasses, so I had all the stereotypical things, right? But I was, I was still doing my thing. I was cool. And then, but then when I got taller, and I, it was like, oh, girls started noticing. You know, my other guys were like, yo, you know, like this dude is, you know, he changed over the summer because you know it always happens over the summer. Always over the over summer. the summer. It happened literally from my sophomore to my junior year. And then um, I remember like that. Then I was good. And you know, there was guys in my neighborhood that I looked up to because you know at the time, and you don't understand this as a kid, right? Like. My pops, you know, my pops, he passed away in 2015, right? And it's weird because there's things about my father that I understand now that I never understood when I, when he was alive, you know? And it's kind of a shame. It's not because I wasn't trying, but I, I just didn't get it. Yeah. You know, but like to this, you know, the thing that I got from my pops was um, you just do your job. You know what I mean? Like my pops, he took care of four kids, right? My pops was a, was a security security guard. And my pops went from like being, you know, this this white collar guy, mm -hmm. you know, um, being able to to take care of his family in a in a good way and being a contributor to like he made less money than my mother. Wow. Right. And and in hindsight, now that I think about him, like I could tell that there was a there was conflict in the family because he wasn't making money, but it wasn't because he was he wasn't trying, but he just wasn't making money. Right. And then finally when he did start making money, um, you know, things were good. But by then the marriage was it was already like it just was was not salvageable, mm -hmm. and my mother was like, "Look, I'm out." She moved to LA with my sister, and I stayed in San Francisco. But you know, we would talk, and he was like, "Listen, man, you got responsibilities. You know, you just got to do it." Like, and it was really this cliche stuff, mm -hmm. right? But if you really think about it, the cliches are cliches because they they're actual fact. Yeah, like you have to do your job. You might not like it. You know, he he always told me he said, "Look, Raúl, you know, if you agree to something, right, you got to do it." If you don't want to do it, don't agree to it. But the minute you agree to it, you got to do it and you got to do it well. You know, you got to do it the best you can. And I used to be like, well, but this job sucks. Like, this is mm -hmm. terrible. I don't want to do it. He's like, yeah, but, you know, you took it. You got to finish it, you know. And, and so it was like those little cliches, you know, um, that sort of informed me as a man going forward, right? Because because you realize that um, the lessons are never new. 
they're just brought to you in a different format for the times. Mm. You know, it's like if I want if I want my niece to listen to something that I have to say or, you know, I have to phrase it in a way that that's, that she understands. You know, I can't come to her talking about, you know, well, you know, when you're watching the videos and she's like, girl, what the hell are you talking about? Like, I have to, you know, I have to, I have to speak to them, mm-hmm. you know, and think that, um, you know, being around my parents and, and seeing how, how they held it down as immigrants, um, it also gives you sort of a, a, this mentality, like, yo, I can't afford to, I can't afford to fail. Like, you know, I always say like, my mission is just to make my name mean more than just a last name on a bill, you know? And, and because we gave up a lot, you know, like my, my pops is one of 13. He had, uh, two brothers that lived here and they basically sponsored us. I don't even know if they allowed it anymore, but like in the eighties, they, they allow you to sponsor your family right. for a green card. I, I don't know what's going on now. Um, and you know, they passed away, right? So they were all, we all living in California, but we got 11, he's got 11 siblings still living in Europe. Wow. With like, I have over a hundred something cousins, probably close to 200 now, like family, like mm-hmm. maybe even three, because we have this family website and there's a bunch of people <laughs> on it I don't even know, right? And you give all that up to come here, you know, and, and what do you give it up for? Like, you know, you don't give that up to to just be regular, you know what I mean? And and. Like, that's what I think about it, you know. Did, like, you, did you feel the gravity of that at 15, nah, 16, 17? Nah, nah. You know, when you're 15, 16, like, you know, at that time, man, you're just trying to be cool, right. you know. And that that's why, you know, when I talk to younger guys and, and younger people, you know, I always try to remember what I was like, you know. And and it's been a while, but I'm not that old, you know. I'm, you know what it's like to want to belong because that's really all you want to do. You want right. to belong, right? You want to go outside and be with your friends. Or nowadays, you know, even if you you want to be online and be mm-hmm. part of the, whatever group, right? And yeah, you 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 want to maintain your individuality, but you you're gonna the pull of the group is strong. You know, like all of us have the pull of the group. It's it's mm-hmm. just you know it's just what it is. When with time and and some accomplishments, you're more comfortable being solo, but you still want to be part of a collective because it's just better it's humans it's scientifically proven humans are not solo animals you know we're 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 community minded right so yeah i didn't know that at the time but but i knew that you know your parents you know they're like yo you got to do what like school was a big deal like mm-hmm. hey and i hated school um not because i i mean i'm fairly intelligent but I, it just wasn't presented to me in a way that you know it, it just wasn't clicking with me yeah you know but my parents were like hey you know, we we didn't come here for you to you know hang out we on the streets. We give up our and, middle class lifestyle listen, man, for you yeah, to just so you be can chilling. Just, so you could just be you know uh, out on the corner with Fila sweatsuits and looking fly. You know, like that. That's <laughs> with not, your uh, debarge hair. Yeah, no, nah, we not we you know with your with your with your with your Gumby cut and, and all that you know funny stuff and and nah, we not we not having that. So you know, um, yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that at the time at all. Um, I wish I did, but I, but I just I just didn't know because. You know, the thing I've tried to do, you know, even though I'm not a parent, I have a lot of nieces and nephews and I and and sometimes I get in, in trouble with their mothers and fathers, but I try to really share with them authentically, right? Because yeah. things I think really parents, the one thing I would say, um, again, not as a parent, but just as an adult, right? Speaking to kids, yo, kids get it, man. Like, you know, I, I just keep it honest with my nieces and nephews, like, yo, this is what it is. Like, you know, my nieces know, like, hey. I know you're of an age. Mm-hmm. You know, you got this guy. I know y'all just not up sitting watching Netflix. I know what's going on, you know, like, but if, if you know, if you're going to do that, then this is what you should do, mm-hmm. you know? And and also, if there's any issues, I'm always here. Like, I'm never judging, you know. Um, I've had some really candid conversations with my niece, with both of my nieces. Um, my oldest niece, since she was like 13, mm-hmm. when I was, when they lived with me, you know, I 
I just kept it 100 with her. Like, she told me some stuff. It was definitely, like, triple X rated about a friend of hers that, mm-hmm. that I knew as well. And I was, like, shocked because they were so young. But I, I didn't flip out. I was just like, listen, this is what you should do. Because you say that that's not what you're comfortable with, then this is what you do, right? right. And, and, and maybe you shouldn't hang out with her. But that's up to you to decide. But if you're going to hang out with her, then this is what you should do since that's not what you want to do. And her mother was like, oh, my God, my bad. I was like, listen, she came to me. In confidence, you know, and I, this is what I did. So don't go over there mm-hmm. because I want to keep that line of communication open. But at the same particular time, she's living here with us. But you're obviously her mother, so I should tell you this, you know. And and that's that's what I've tried to do because I think parents don't give their kids the knowledge of who they are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that prevents a lot of parents from having to bond with the children that they really want, you know. Um and it's, it's tough. You know, I see both sides. You know, I get it. Like, you know, I'm obviously an adult, but I'm always going to be my mother's child, but I'm not a child, you know, so I get that. And your relationship changes, right? So now you're not necessarily in a position of authority over your parents, not like that, but but there is responsibility because as they get older, there's just things that they can't do. Right. You know, and and you you start to then understand the gravity of what they did. You know, like I tell my mother all the time, I said, listen, the reason you don't hear from me isn't because I don't love you, but I'm really busy. And then when I get home, I'm super drained. But just know, trust and believe that whatever you need, I got it. You know, Mm -hmm. if I got to move, whatever I got to move, then that's just what's going to happen just to make sure you're okay. You know, because that's the least I can do, right, for for sacrifices you made. But you don't see those sacrifices until you get older and you've got some experience in life as well, you Mm -hmm. know? So... So going back to you finishing up high school, mm-hmm. I'm sure they were like education. Yes. What's your next? What's your next move? But what did you decide to do post okay. post high school graduation? So um, when I was in high school, I, I barely graduated. You know, I just I was I was just having it my way, doing nonsense. Um, and you know, my parents got divorced, and I was like, man, I don't want to stay with my pops. You know, and, and also at that time, you know, the crack era was in full swing. You know, this late '80s. Um, and um, people were like, people don't, like, people really don't know about this because the, the media, like, you had it on the news, but but people don't, we don't talk about the crack era enough, but you know, people were dying left and right. People mm-hmm. getting shot. Like, it was it was vicious, right? It was it was really violent. Um, and I just knew in my spirit that, yo, know, if I stay here, I'm not going to do nothing productive. Right. I knew the people that I was in with, and they were good dudes. You know, like, my best friend, you know, we talk about all the time. He, he left. You know, he, he moved to San Jose. Because he's like, yo, man, this is crazy. Like, people were getting, like, murder was regular. Mm-hmm. And San Francisco is so on top of each other that, you know, it's not like it's not like I can avoid you. Like, we're all going to end up in the same place at some point. Right. So I didn't know what to do. I, my mother was like, move to L.A. But I was like, man, if I move to L.A., we have family down there. I'm going to be, you know, it's going to be gangs. Like, I just knew that I was going to end up in the street. Not because of any other reason than I wasn't doing anything productive. You know, and I didn't want to work fast food. I wasn't going to get a city job, you know, because in my mind, I, I just didn't know how to strategize my way through life. So I was like, man, I don't want to do this job. You know, these, these dudes are suckers. Like, this this is, job is not pain. And like, literally at that time, you know, which is why I don't understand why people glorify. The truth of the matter is, if you grew up in the 80s, 90s, everybody was, not everybody, but a lot of people were selling drugs. Mm-hmm. So it's not this, this thing that people try to make it out to be, you know. And of course, now in hindsight, everybody was just big, whatever. I wasn't, not even going to pretend that I was close to it, but I, I'll tell you this, a little anecdote. Um, at that particular time, you could go outside and make like $2,000 in an hour. Which you, is just you didn't, crazy, you didn't have, yeah. You didn't have to move. Like you didn't, you could literally just stand in one spot. You didn't even have to try. Like it was just that crazy. And what, also what a lot of people don't realize is, um, they they starting to realize it now with that show Snowfall, mm-hmm. but crack was started in California. It started in LA and then it came up to the Bay. 
because everybody's got family. You know, black people, particularly from from California, they're they're from the south. Mm-hmm. So it's very it was very family oriented. The neighborhoods were very family oriented. Like if you had a fight with somebody, right, you had to fight. Like they have family. Like it was it was like that type of thing, right? Like people have families like yeah. heavy in the black neighborhoods because they all came to work, right? Mm-hmm. So. You had crack wasn't even really on the radar on, on the East Coast yet, but it was already heavy in California. And th- th- everybody was just like, yo, there's, there's money. You know, we, we didn't we didn't think, you know, um, we didn't think about the backlash or, 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 the, or, the, or the ramifications or the repercussions of, that were eventually going to happen. We were just like, yo, it's money. Right. right. And you don't understand the destruction that it takes. You know, it's it's. It's really like a mind blowing thing at that time. So, so with all that in mind, I saw a lot of my peers like that's what they were doing, mm-hmm. and I just didn't have the. I just I just knew that I couldn't do that at home. So I joined the Navy, um, which was a great, which was great because it, it actually allowed me to do a lot of a lot of stuff and, and see the world, right, and and get experiences that I that eventually would lead me obviously to become the person that I am mm-hmm. today. But it really exposed me to the world, you know, in a different way. And I had to be out on my own and be my own man and and, and figure out who I was, right? So I joined the Navy, went down to San Diego, um, got kicked out, actually, because of fighting. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because, um, you know, they, my company commander was a Navy SEAL. And he's probably one of the most impressive men I've ever met in my life. And he was a short guy, white dude. And he was like the first white man who I really had, like in America, right? Because again, growing up in Europe, it was mm-hmm. a little different. Even though I was around a lot of, you know, it, not to say that it isn't racist in New York, because that would be stupid, but it was different, you know? But when I grew, where I grew up, there weren't them, the only white people of authority were either teachers or the cops, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was very black neighborhood. And so, you know, he was the first white dude that I met who was like, yo, man. Or actually, I'm lying. He was the second adult man, but the first white guy who was like, yo, you're smart. You know, you got to fix up. And I'm just, I'm really just clowning at this time because mm-hmm. I'm not taking anything serious, you know. In the military and still not yeah, taking I'm just, it Yeah, I'm just seriously. not taking it seriously. And he was like, he's like, all right, you know, well, there's, 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 there's rules, right? And so these are the rules. So, you know, through him, I started to learn discipline, right? Mm-hmm. Because, because I, my parents, they instilled it too, but you, you don't want to hear that. Right. But now you're faced with it, right? You have to, you have to abide by these rules. So being in the Navy that kind of got me my my discipline that I have. You know, I'm, I'm a morning person anyway, mm-hmm. so waking up in the morning is not a big deal to me. So that was fine. And then it also taught me how to get along with different people, right? Like I was in there with like white dudes who had never been around black people before. You know, like guys from Iowa, right? Like um, guys from like small towns. You know, and and it was interesting because yeah, there was some you know there was some racial incidents. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But um, the way that was handled, at least on my boat. You got to fight, you know, like, oh, you know, you're not real talk, like, oh, you got a problem with mm-hmm. this guy, like, go over there, you know, and then you guys handle it, right? And um, that that was, that was like the thing, right? So you you kind of start to learn how to cope, right? And you start to, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're 18, 19, you, you're really around grown men, right? And, you know, you start to learn um, about what they call... Um, accountability. Yeah. You know, you start to learn that, okay, there's a group of you, right? Um, you're floating around on this piece of steel in the middle of the ocean. Um, if something happens, you got to figure it out. You got to work together. So I learned about leadership, right? Like leading from the front, like my, my the person in charge of us, you know, um, he was like, look, man, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. I'm going to show you how we're going to do it. Right. 
And so I learned early that, you know, there's a difference between being in charge and being a leader. You know, if you're in charge, you just sit back and you tell people what to do. Mm -hmm. If you lead, tell them what to do. You show them how to do it and you do it with them. So that, you know, again, this is all in hindsight as I, as I think about my life. I've started to figure out like, wow, you know, this is really formative stuff that I learned at that age, right? Again, I just learned it. I internalized it, but I didn't always use right. it, you know? Yeah. So you get kicked out of the get Navy. Yeah. What's going through your mind at that point? Are you like, okay, I just got to find a new path then? So... Or? So at that time, um, crack air is in full swing. You know, I'm just really, I'm not really even sure what, I, what I'm doing at that time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I'm just living. And um, I'm just like down in San Diego, you know what I mean? The weather's great. I mean, at that time, um, I, met this, I met this older woman. <laughs> oh, time. boy. Yeah. So, you know, I was like 20 and she was like 30-something. Mm-hmm. You know? And she was like the dopest thing I ever met in my life. You know what I mean? She's from the South and she knows how to cook. And she's like amazing, right? And um, she's like, well, you know, you can stay with me until you figure it out, mm -hmm. right? Because she's like, I'm going home in like whatever, like a year or something, right? She was like working as a contractor. And she was like, I'm going home in a year. She had a kid and she was like, but you know, stay with me. So I was like, eh, I don't know. I stayed with her. But then I got my own spot. Mm -hmm. So I had my own spot. And this time I'm just messing around. Like I'm, I'm just really just doing nonsense. And... um. I'm not really in contact with my family at the time either because I'm just running around. But then I don't know what happened. Um, I called my sister and um, she's like, yo, what are you doing down there? I was like, I'm not really doing anything. You know, I'm running around the street. She's like, you should come home. And she starts crying, you know, because she just had a kid and, um, you know, things are not going really well mm -hmm. with her, you know. But this is like I'm really, really tight with my family, you know, my siblings um, at that time. And I'm just down there, right? I'm like, man, I'm doing all this nonsense, you know? I was like, all right, I'm going to come home. So I moved back to San Francisco, still on my nonsense, you know? And this time I moved with my pops, which is, like, terrible. Because, mm -hmm. you know, there's two guys in the house, and he don't—my pops is like, at the time, he just—he's like, yo, I'm about to retire and move to Florida. I'm like, man, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> he's like, yeah, but that's what I want to do. I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to just get this crib. So I get a crib, and I'm running around the streets, you know, being fly guy, and I'm still on my nonsense, but I'm working at this time, mm -hmm. right? But again, I'm not really doing anything. You know, I'm not, I'm not being the best version of myself because the reality is I don't even know what that looks right. like. Um, and— the thing, the thing about life is that um, I've been very fortunate because there's always people who, who see the potential in me um, and they kind of give me a good word. And, and I don't always act on it right away, but I listen, you mm -hmm. know, and I hear it and I internalize and then And then something happens and I start to act on it, right? So at that time, you know, it's the 90s. Everybody's trying to be, you know, a rapper, a singer. Right. And, you know, I fell into that same, <laughs> you know, black hole, trying to be famous. Well, not even trying to be famous. I'm not trying to be famous. I really wanted to be a songwriter. Okay. Um, because I realized that those are the guys that can just sit in the back and collect the checks, mm -hmm. right? But I don't know how to do that. So at that time, uh, a dude that that I was that I met, he's like, yo, man, I'm going to be in New York. I'm going to start this record label. I'm like, yo, that's dope. I'm in New York. So I jump up. I moved to New York. And you now, just moved to New moved York. Moved to New York, yeah. And the funny thing is, at the time, I was dating a woman who um, I, I swore was like the love of my life. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I was like, yo, this is is it like I'm done? You know, this is it. We're gonna get married and have kids and happily ever and all that. And um, that was like terrible. Like we both were like just crying all the time. Like it was terrible, right? So I moved. So I moved to New York and I get a job. But by the time I by this time I had already been in New York before. Okay. Visited many times, stayed summers and all that stuff. But I I'd never like actually lived there. Mm -hmm. So this is like the first time to live there is like early '90s. So I'm living I'm living on the Upper East Side. You know, I'm doing it big and. I'm just working, you know, and again, just kind of just as my best friend likes to say, just floating through life. Mm -hmm. 
But um, the music thing ain't going nowhere. So I'm just working. So, um, but now I'm tired in New York, right? Because I'm really like a California dude. In terms of in my mind, I'm like, hey, I got to go back to yeah. L.A. Like, you know, sunshine, beautiful women, all that, all that nonsense, <laughs> right? So, plus my family's there. So I moved to L.A. Um, and at this time, I'm like pretty much my life from the late 80s, early 90s. And till now is like just a series of moves, either in New York or California, right? It's just like I'll be here for a couple of years, then I'll move there. So I've mm-hmm. just been by coastal for many years. And I get to LA and, you know, I got family there. I got people there. And my sister grew up there. So I, I'm good. And, um, but I'm not really happy, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, but I don't know, I don't know what I'm looking for. And I think, you know, that kind of started me on the path of realizing that, you know, again, those cliches, it's all inside, right? But but we're not told that, you know, we're told that, you know, and, and it's, it's, this is a human thing, mm-hmm. right? It's not black thing. It's everybody's told us because, you know, you could talk to white people or Chinese people. They're told the same thing. Get a job. Get right. A, no, go to college, get a job, find somebody to settle down with, you know, and just work your job, mm-hmm. and, you know, save money, you know, all these things, right? But what is your purpose? You know, like what, what makes you, what makes you get out of bed every day? Like what, what makes you sleep at night and feel really good about what you right. say? What, what moves you to, to tears, to laughter, whatever moves you, right? And at that time, I, I didn't know, you know, I was, I was running around crazy. You know, I had a blue, I was doing all. So how, how old were you at this point? So all this has happened in my 20s. Because you ended up going to college, correct? Yeah, but not till later. Later, yeah, okay. So later. so this is this is just Irresponsible Raul. So Irresponsible Raul in his 20s, running around, running around flashing LA. the smile, you know. Yeah, running around L.A. <laughs> like, um, so it's interesting because what I realized, too, most of the, um, so, you know, people talk about relationships mm-hmm. a lot, right? And obviously, you know, if you're heterosexual, you as a man, you think about, you know, the women in your life, right? Like how that affects you. And what I realize is that um, women in your life as a man, right, who is attracted to women, they are a mirror. And a lot of times the frustration a man feels is because he doesn't like what he sees in the mirror. Mm-hmm. You know, because your woman will reflect onto you what you're putting out, right? And I didn't get that, you know, but it, it's, I started to understand that there were some pieces that I'm putting together because I, I believe life is this puzzle, right? Mm-hmm. You put it together. You know, if you're if you're fortunate enough to have given your all, by the time you die, the pieces are complete and you, that's it, right? But I started to realize like, man, I got these pieces of these puzzles, right? But I don't, first of all, I don't even know if it's like a rectangle, if it's a square, if it's, but I, you know, there's these pieces and you, you pick them up as you move through life, right? And I started to sense sort of a pattern with the women that I was, that I was dealing with, right? Because... It would be great, mm-hmm. and then it would like fizzle out, right? And it would, it would, it would inevitably lead to similar conversations, right? Because they were like, "Look, like you're, you're, you're not, you're kind of closed off, right? right. And you're not like you're giving me X, Y, Z, but I know that there's way more there, and you let that out at mm-hmm. particular times, but you're not sharing it, right? And I was like, oh, "What do you mean? Like, I don't know, I don't know. Like, I, I didn't even, I didn't even know how to." You know, and then um, something kind of pivotal happened. Um, there's a woman that I was seeing who came from a really good family. And, um, you know, I think if you come from dysfunction sometimes, the reason I think, at least for me, right, mm-hmm. so I can only speak for me, but I know for me what happened was the reason I was ending up in dysfunctional relationship, right, because I thought that those were the only relationships that I was capable of. Mm-hmm. Even though I, I think of myself as very intelligent, I was very stupid at that time or ignorant, meaning I didn't know, right? I, I, I didn't know that 
this is going to sound funny. I didn't know that you could like grab a book and read mm -hmm. and, and learn how to become like a better person in a relationship. <laughs> you know, I, or, 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 you know, I figured like, man, I don't want any kids because I probably just ruined them, you know, because mm -hmm. my father, he was, you know, he didn't do all these things that I wanted him to do. So I probably going to end up doing the same thing. And I don't want to do that to a kid. So no kids for me, right? Or I don't want to get married because my parents' relationship ain't work out. So mm -hmm. naturally, I'm going to repeat the same thing because that's what we do, right? But meanwhile, you know. If you want to learn Spanish, you pick up a book. You go right. to a teacher, right? You can. I, I just didn't think that through. So with this woman, and she came from a really good family, and I thought we had it. I thought we. I thought things were great. So she's at my crib, and, and I had a really nice crib at the time. And we're on the balcony, and you know, it's one of them like hacienda type joints. Mm -hmm. Like you know, we're watching the sunset. I think we had some champagne or something. You know, I'm thinking like this is fantastic, right? <laughs> She's like, like, this is sensational. This is this. I'm like, man, it gets no better. You know, I'm, I'm really just like mm -hmm. patting myself on the back on the inside, right? And we go inside and we're sitting on the bed and she's like, you know, Ro, um, I want to tell you something. And I'm thinking like, man, this is, yes. You know, like whatever, <laughs> this is going to be the culmination of like greatness, right? And she's like, um, I think we should break up. And I'm just shocked. I'm like, man, we got all this good champagne, like this <laughs> California sunset, like, you know? And she's like, yeah, because, you know, um, she's a, I said, why? You know, I was like, this is great. She's like, she's like, it is, but it's not. And she said, look, you know, when I met you, um, you know, you're a little bit older, you're a little bit more experienced. You know, I figured that you know, I could learn from you. Mm -hmm. You're not teaching me anything, right? You're not, you're not, you're not sharing with me. And I was like, you know, I, I, I was just shocked, right? Because right. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, we go to all these places mm -hmm. because, again, I'm looking at things externally. Yeah. Right? And I was just shocked, you know, like it really threw me, like, you know, I, I didn't even, I was like, okay, I'm. What can you what really can you do? Right? That? I was like, okay. So she, you know, it's literally like a movie. She gets up, <laughs> puts her glass on the thing, and she's like, you know, well, you know, wish you the best, and gives me a kiss on the cheek, and she's like, you know, I still love you, still care about you, but this ain't working. Mm -hmm. right? She leaves, and I just sat there, you know, and I was thinking, I was like, this is crazy. So, so that was one piece, right? And so then the next person I dated, right? So, but here's the thing: mm -hmm. I knew something was wrong, or or not. Not wrong. I knew things were not optimal. Mm -hmm. I did, but I did not know how to get them from suboptimal to optimal. I just knew I had to do something. So my dumbass, what I thought was like, well, you know, I'm dealing with all these women that are super attractive in like a certain way. Maybe I need to get somebody that's more plain oh, and down earth, right? I mean, it sounds it, <laughs> I, real talk. So I was like, I'm being, I said to myself, I'm being too superficial. Mm -hmm. I got to start looking at, at the inside and all this other crap. So I meet this other woman and, and she's, but well, she's attractive, but I'm just, she's totally not my type. Mm -hmm. And it didn't work out, right? But what happened was it forced me to to really think about what I was doing, you know, yeah. where I wanted to go. Um, and that was sort of the beginning of me becoming the person that's sitting right here now mm -hmm. talking, right? And and I started to realize that the problem wasn't these people, you know, it wasn't like, oh man, these chicks or these whatever, right? right? It was it was me. You know, I just wasn't being the person that that I should be and could be and wanted to be, right? And I had to start to think about how I wanted to create that person mm -hmm. because I think um, one of one of the most shocking things to to um, to men, right, is 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 that we create every day, every moment. Mm -hmm within ourselves first and then you bring it out to the world right so you know if you if you are not having good relationships with 
your your girlfriend, your woman, your aunt, whoever, right? Yeah, it's stuff that they're doing, but how are you responding to it, right? And right. How are we reacting to it? Like, not react, but how do we respond? Because when you react, that might not even be what you should be doing. But if you respond, you've thought about what you're doing and where you're trying to lead the thing, right? And I started to really understand that I wasn't leading, you know? Mm -hmm. I was just more into being in charge, you know? I was like, oh, I'm in charge of this relationship. But right. the reality was I wasn't taking it anywhere. I wasn't, I didn't have a vision, right? I didn't have a vision for myself. So let alone a vision for a relationship, let alone a vision for where I see us, right? And, and I just started to realize that I was being really temporary. You know, I was mm -hmm. just kind of just, you know, just floating around, you know, right. and, and and not not giving not giving the 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 direction to my own life, you know, let alone being able to tell someone, say, hey, this is where I think we should go. Mm -hmm. You know, so how can someone have faith in that when it's clear that you don't even have enough faith in yourself to chart that out for yourself? You know, and I think that's what women were tuning into that I was just kind of like, I was just talking. Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't a bum. You know, I was, but again, you know, I thought, hey, I'm getting money. Right. But what is that? You know, everybody gets money. What, is, what does that even mean? You know, so I had to start to ask myself the hard and tough questions. And, you know, that's sort of how that started. You know, that was part of the process. So to fast forward a yes. bit. You end up putting yourself through Columbia. I did. Which is like a crazy yeah. turn of events, right? Crazy turn of events. So I, I got to go back. So the last mm -hmm. relationship I talked about, that was totally dysfunctional. And so um, what actually ended up happening to me was um, I got in a car accident, real serious car accident. Um, I had a I had a, a head-on collision with an 18-wheeler. Wow. Yeah. And I walked away, right? So um, I'm, not a, I'm not a religious person, but I know that there's something beyond us. Right? I definitely believe in God, you know, but... I've had my, I was on a spiritual journey, as I mm -hmm. always like to say. I've literally tried out a bunch of denominations and Islam and all that, right? Um, I almost died. And I was like, yo, this is, you know, this is pretty serious. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm really not happy with this. I'm not happy with myself, really unhappy with myself. Because I, I, what I was doing is, is I was trying to find um, status, right? Yeah. And I didn't know how to find it, right? I, because I, I, I just didn't know. So... You know, how do how do we find status? We try to get sleep with all the women we can, mm -hmm. you know, some of us, not all. Or we try to get really in shape. Sometimes you do a combination of those two, right? Or you try to make a lot of money, which mm -hmm. I try to do as well. And you try to buy material things to make yourself look better. But the reality was that I was super unhappy. Um, you know, I was I was just I was just not even sure what I wanted mm -hmm. to do, who I I didn't know who I was. Um, so when I got into that car accident, um, it made me think, right? I was like, man, you know, you shouldn't have walked away from that. You know, so, so okay, you're here. What are you going to do? Um, so my older sister suggested that I move to the East Coast and mm -hmm. stay with her to just recuperate. Um, so I did that, stay with her down in Maryland and, you know, got myself back together and started to kind of think what I wanted to do. And I knew that, so let me backtrack for a minute. One of the other times where a woman showed me what I was and what mm -hmm. I didn't like was I, I was dating this woman from a very prestigious family in L.A. And I remember going to her house and, um, you know, her brother was talking about a deal that he was going to do. Right. And he went to UCLA, you know, did his thing. And he was like, yeah, you know, I got to call this guy because I want to do X, Y, Z. And I was my mind was blown right? because I didn't know that I didn't know that you could just like, pick up the phone and, and make a move like right. that. And, I, and so I was thinking, I was like, yo, I can't do that. Why can't I do that? And obviously because I didn't have the pedigree, right? Mm -hmm. But also no one ever told me how to, you know, I, I just didn't put two and two together, right? Because I just thought that, I just didn't know. Mm -hmm. You know, I was very ignorant. Um, but the dangerous part about my ignorance was that I was also very intelligent. So I thought that I knew things that I really didn't <laughs> know, right? That's a very dangerous combination because 
if you're intelligent but ignorant, you can navigate yourself through life, sometimes even successfully. Mm -hmm. But you never think that you need to learn anything because you figure like, man, I'm smart. Yeah, but you don't know stuff, right? Right. There's a, there's a bunch of blind spots you have. So I was like, yo, I want to do that, right? So I started talking to him. He's like, yeah, man, you know, I went to school. I, I went to, I was in this frat and I did all this stuff. And he's like, where'd you go to school? Because, you know, his sister went to USC and like, she has a great career. She surely wouldn't be hanging out with an uneducated <laughs> dude, right? And I was like, I never went to college. He was shocked because we were having great conversations. Right. And he's met me numerous times. Like, he's like, and now I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, yo, there's no way they're going to let me in this family, right? <laughs> I'm like, yo, they're going to really just like sprinkle some salt on my whole game, right? And and they, I think they did. But I get it because at that particular time, I was not the guy. If I was him or his father or his mother, I wouldn't want my daughter mm -hmm. dating me either, you know, because I, was, I wasn't I was a serious dude. I probably would have, even if we would have gotten together, let's just assume we got married, it would have ended up not right because I just wasn't in an optimal place to be with someone like that. So we ended up breaking up. But that was another piece, right? I was like, yo, I got to gotta be able to make those calls. Right. And so I started doing research. Now, the funny thing is, when I was in New York, I knew about Columbia's program already. I even had the brochure. It used to be right next to my bed. I had requested it, right? Because I was like, yeah, I should go. I should check it out. But, you know, when you're getting money, you think like, mm -hmm. oh, man, I, you know, I don't need that. Now, all my siblings went to college, right? And some have multiple degrees, right? But I was get, I was making money. So I was like, oh, I'm Were you good. making all this money above board? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was a taxpaying citizen. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes. Listen, I was a taxpaying citizen. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I was working in real estate. Okay. And the real estate market was crazy. It was booming. I didn't have to do anything. I mean, I could go somewhere and like do a do a thing and, you know, we'd make like $2,500 because everybody was selling and buying houses. Mm -hmm. So it, it was it was easy money, right? So um, my best friend at the time, the one who who I mentioned previously, shout out to P. He's in real estate. He's like, yo, Ry, you get into this real estate thing. So I took my license. I got a, I got a mentor. Um, one of my homies, um, his wife was at Colwell Banker. I started working with her. She was like, make me go op do open houses. Mm -hmm. She paid me like $1,500 just for standing there with a brochure and giving it to people. You know, like I was making, and at that time that meant something. That now $1,500, you know, you get a pair of shoes or whatever. But back then, $1,500 was a lot was of money. Something. So I'm, I'm killing it. Like, what do you mean I need to do something? I'm, <laughs> I'm making money. What? You know, but I started to realize that there's limits to capital, right? And I need to have this network, these connections. And I didn't have it mm -hmm. because I didn't have the pedigree. So I was like, where can I go? So I thought about UCLA. Nah. But Columbia had a program where you go to school, even if you're old, you're in class with 18-year-olds. Mm -hmm. So you, you're, you're getting the same. It's not you come in at night, no one's there. It's one classroom. Right. You're really getting the campus experience, which is what you need for the networking and the, and the, and the relationship building. So... Um, I get to, I get to, you know, I get out of the hospital. I move to Maryland. And I'm like, my sister's like, yo, you should think about, you know, college around here. She's like, nah, I ain't doing that. And we actually got into it. But, but you know, I understand because she, you know, this goes back to what I said earlier about your family. The limits is not right. In her mind, she's like, you know, you're, you're older. You're not going to want to be around these kids. But I was like, no, I need to be around these kids because I need that education that I never had. And right. I, I need it in, in an environment where I'm constantly studying. Not that I'm coming in from work and I'm... I need the whole thing, right? I need the immersive campus experience. So my younger sister at the time was living here and working in finance. And she, actually, no, she stopped working in finance and she started her own company. And she was living here, so I moved. I moved here. Mm -hmm. You know, we moved in together. Um, got a crib, and she really, she was really the reason. You know, I, I got it done. So now. I get into Columbia, you know, and people back home are like, yo, uh, you know, you're in school. I'm like, yeah. You the know. fact that you even got into Columbia yeah, is a was, feat in and listen, of itself. It, it, you know, it's, it's interesting, right? Because I think about it, but I really think about it like it's just what I had to do. You know, I don't think about it in the sense of, wow, you know, I just think about like, man, that's what I had mm -hmm. to do because literally it's the best thing I ever did in my life. Like I tell, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, 
I mean, I would have liked not to graduate into the financial crises, which was a whole other thing, but it's the best thing I ever did. So were you a finance major? No, I was an econ. I did poli sci okay. and a little bit of econ, yeah. Poli sci, econ. Yeah. So you get out. What was your plan originally when you got out? Okay, so at that time, right, I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to make. Now again, it's interesting. So I had this, this epiphany when I had this accident, right, and I'm, I'm wanting to be a better person. But the thing is about again, people that, are, that think they're smart, right? Because I'm, I'm smart, right? But I mm-hmm. always think sometimes, not always. I used to always think that you can you can't cheat the game. Right. And and what happened with me was that I I knew that I wanted to be a better person, but I didn't go all the way because going all the way with that means you get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so I did enough of growing as a man in the areas that were comfortable to me, but I didn't you know I didn't take it all the way. You know and and I believe that um, because of that things worked out the way they did. So at that time, you know I'm I'm. Working, uh, working in finance. Uh, I worked in the on the trading floor, which mm-hmm. is uh, used to be the it's the CME now, Chicago Mercantile Exchange. I love trading. You know, I liked it. I'm really an adrenaline junkie. I just like yeah. the thrill, right? So I was getting, I was making it happen. I, I loved it. So I got that job, and then the economy crashed, mm-hmm. right? So now I lost, I lost everything, right? And at that time, it, it, I didn't understand it, but that was really the key to my evolution as a man, you know. Um, because I, I I was so depressed, you know, but I had a girlfriend at the time. We lived together and I mean she's amazing, you know. Um to this day I still tell everybody, I go, she's mm-hmm. great. It just didn't work out. And most of it due to me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was just so depressed and I didn't know how to how to convey that. Right. You know, because part of part of my thing was in hindsight, I was so embarrassed, you know, because I was like, man, you know, this woman like trusts me to to make things happen and this is what I did, mm-hmm. you know, like how could I do this, right? So I'm beating myself up. And then I'm not able to 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 understand and accept that this person loves me. Right. Like this has really no bearing on how much she loves me. Like she, you know, she has faith that I'm gonna be able to make it out of this. Mm-hmm. All I'm thinking is like, yo, I let her down, right? And you try to what happens at that time is, you know, you try to find again, you try to find status and in, in ways to still feel like you're the mm-hmm. man, you know. So I I I cheated on her, you know. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm transparent because I was trying to find, you know, I was trying to find, you know, whatever, like, like, feel like I'm the man, you know, right. it's a very stupid way, but it's, that's it's all I knew, right? It's a stupid way, but right. I, I and, think when, when everything is out, feels like it's out of your control. Yeah. This is yeah, the decision that I can yeah, control absolutely. and it's going to feed my ego. It, th- that's what it was. Mm-hmm. I just needed my ego to be fed, right? And, and in a particular way, because at that time I couldn't understand that, you know, she comes from a good family. She could just move, you know, she could just leave you. She could go home, you know, like mm-hmm. have a big ass house. Like she does not need to be here, you know. And the funny thing is she told me years later, she's like, yo, when we were going through that, I still had my apartment. And when I would tell you that I was going to my mother's house, I would just go to my own apartment and just get away from you. Wow. Right? Yeah. Yeah, because I was a terror at the time. I was a terrible person. Um, but again, I'm just all in my mind, right? And also, not just her. I'm thinking like, man, you know, my family was like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Now they're right. Like they're right. Like, cause, cause if I didn't, if I didn't go to Columbia, I would have never done this. I'd have just been doing that. And yeah, they maybe I should have stayed. Like, that's what I'm thinking, right? And me and my, my girl is like, yo, I got faith in you. I trust you. Da, da, da. Right. So I get out of that, right? But I always tell that story because it's a, it it shows me how um, you know, when relationships end, they never just like, you know, when you break up in December, the truth of the matter is particularly you the breakup is because it started in January. Right. You know what I mean? It's just that whatever party decides that, hey, let's see what happens, right? And then if it doesn't go how they want, then they just go with the decision, mm-hmm. right? So um, at that time, I'm just I'm just in my own head. I'm trying to figure out like, yo, how can I, you know, how can I get my, my confidence back? 
And my best friend from college, I'm in his apartment and I never forget that day. I'm just crying because I'm like, yo, man, I lost everything. Um, probably gonna lose my girl. Like, you know, am I gonna just go home? Like, drop out of, like, what am I gonna do, you know? And he says to me, he says, yo, man, like, you know, you have a lot to be grateful for. And I'm just crying. I'm like, yo, I can't believe this. And that changed my life because, you know, you're thinking that all this stuff, right? Because it's all stuff. Right. It's what makes you who you are. It's it's just your costume. You know, it's, it's you know, it's it's just, you know, it's just. It's all window dressing. Yeah. You know, and, and who you are as a man or a woman, right? Or as a person, right? Is defined by by your daily actions. You know, your, your actions, your words, and your thoughts coinciding, right? And I was like, okay, you know. He's like, let's, he said, just try it. It's like, I was like, Mike, man, I don't know, bro. I'm just, I, I don't, you know, I don't know. Like, I would go home and be like, man, I can't believe this woman is still here because I ain't got no money. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, that's really how I'm feeling, right? And, man, I'm just a, you, you tell yourself the worst stuff. Right. And I got an opportunity to sort of take inventory of myself, you know, and I realized that I was not happy with the person that I was. So I needed to do more work. You know, but again, um, you know, I have I have a I have a little bit of an ability to, to take care of myself, you know, financially, I'm, I'm, you know, in a way that that works for me. And I was able to, to get back on my feet. And so all the good intentions about working on myself went out the window. Right. And <laughs> and I, I now my that's girl, not where I was expecting right, that to go. Right. But go ahead. And and my girlfriend and I, we 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 stay the course, right? And so she's she's so smart and brilliant. She starts this business, uh, which was ahead of its time. And we built that and 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 you know, eventually um we broke up because I was just not optimal partner for her, you know what I mean? Because I think um in hindsight I didn't share I didn't share my inner thoughts. You know, I think that people I always feel like you should just know, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm like I, I'm intuitive, right? But everybody isn't, you know? So at that time, you know, that that's that's that was another thing that I've learned is that, you know, you gotta be consistent with your actions and your words, you know, in your commitment to someone, you know, you gotta be accountable. And I, I wasn't being accountable. I was just saying I'm gonna do stuff and then not doing it, right? Because I felt like saying it was enough of, of a mm-hmm. thing, like, you know, yeah, but I'm taking care of everything. Yeah, but you know, a woman with options, she can find another guy to take care of everything, you right. know, in a better way than you even. So, you know, what does that really mean? So, you know, I had to I had to learn that lesson the hard way, right? So that's that's that was one of the, the the stepping stones to becoming who who I am right now, sitting in front of this microphone. So this person that you've become mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. what does Rose look like? Life look like today? I know you've got your hands in a lot of pots. Yeah. We, we don't even have the time to yeah. unpack all um, the pots that you're you're involved Raul's, in. Raul's life now, um, you know, Raul leads a very uh, uh, a very low key Spartan existence. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very uh, bare bones um, because. You know, I always want to put myself in a position where my overhead is low and I can just make a move when I want to, you know. Um, like I said before, you know, I'm still um, fearless out there. I'm just working on a bunch of different things. But one of the things that I did, um, I started really focusing on um, connecting entrepreneurs with capital. Mm-hmm. You know, I was fortunate to be around some really great guys um, that I became friends with who, who you know, who I can speak to and, and, and have access to who work in the financial uh, sector, you know, asset management or a hedge fund or venture capital or invest or investment funds. So what I started to do, I started to put together, um, you know, entrepreneurs with funding and, and funders with, with, with IDs and just sort of 
of being a connector in that way. So um, I was able to connect through my brother, Michael, um, with these guys, um, the Jinjin brothers. Mm -hmm. um, they're two brothers from Guinea, Muhammad and Rahim. Um, they have a product, it's called Ginger Juice. Um, it's a it's a widely consumed beverage. You know, everybody black or Asian or Latino drinks some oh, version we, of we it. We love a ginger drink. Yeah, <laughs> I I'll, I should have brought some. I'll, I'll get you guys some for sure. Um, you know, they they were introduced to me by my my brother Michael, and um, I met them, and I was like, yo, this is great. So for the past three years, I've been um, advising and helping raise money. Um, and it's been one of the toughest and yet most rewarding things I've done, um, you know, right up there with, with anything else I've done, you know, because it, it's, it's important, I think, for, for people who have, um, who have, who have assets, who have knowledge, who have connections or whatever we bring to the table to extend that to other people in mm -hmm. the community, you know, because it's, it's easy to win alone, you know, I mean, and by that, I mean, you know, as the one black person, right? Like you see that all the time, you go into these places and there's one black person, right. there's always one and, and no shots to them, but okay, now what, you know, how are you empowering more people, right? And, and that's not to say that you have to necessarily bring them into your place of employment, but how are you, how are you leveraging your network to help the collective, right? Because we are already doing stuff, like mm -hmm. black people are doing a lot of stuff, but I always say this, we all have to do more and that includes myself, right? So every day I'm just thinking like, okay, I'm doing this, but what more can I do? You know, how can I do it better, right? Or how can I do it more efficient? I can impact more people, right? So um, I started a consultancy, essentially um, connecting capital with with um, founders, and um, that led me to what I'm doing now, which is the Ginger Cafe. Um, the two brothers, you know, they opened that up, and for the sake of of, of uh, uh, transparency, I have to say that I was totally against it. Really? Yeah, I, I thought we should have just focused on the e-commerce piece, mm -hmm. um, you know, but. At, at the end of the day, it is their business. You know, they've invested a lot in it. You know, if they've done a great job. So, you know, we don't have to agree. You know, we just we just got to make it work, right? Mm -hmm. So, but now that it's open, I actually see that there's potential there that we can, you know, take it somewhere else, right? So, um, I, I've been on board, never wavered, you know, just disagreed. But I'm now, I see it. I'm like, okay, let's let's make it work. So, you know, they got the cafe on 125th and Park. And um, what I like about it is that, that it gives people the opportunity to, to sit in a space that is, you know, dedicated to, to bringing African products to the marketplace. You know, and I think that's a big thing because, you know, like, like one of the brothers, Raheem, I believe, well, Raheem said it. He said, you know, you go into a supermarket, right? You can find you can find South American, Latin American products, right? Mm -hmm. um, you can find Asian products, right? And of course, these are very corny categories because reality is like these are such vast regions with such right. vast, you know, variety of cuisines that to call it Asians, you know, but it's what it is, right? So, but there's no African aisle, mm -hmm. right? And and meanwhile, a bunch of stuff that is consumed widely by people in the diaspora and even in Latin America, South America, is really because it was brought from Africa. Right. Right. So so we already have a familiarity with these with these products. They just call different things. Right. Um, so we're bringing out different SKUs and, and hoping to, excuse me, raise more money, excuse me, and take this, you know, as far as we can. And and that's 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 the first step. So that's one of the things that mm -hmm. you're into. You're you're also co-host of the Cryptology Podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can't even call myself a co-host. I'm just a guy. You know, I just contribute. The I'm hype a, man. I, yeah, I'm a contributor. I'm a co-conspirator. You know, those are my guys. I Man, I love those guys. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that that thing really just started because um, you know Elgin and and Carl um, just had an idea to mm -hmm. really talk about money and investment in in an informal way, right? Because a lot of people, you know, a lot of people they just don't know, mm -hmm. you know. And so in order for in order for you to get exposed to 
to to the whole fast lane that is finance. You just need an introduction to right. it, right? And and they felt like with the cryptology and the and the Bitcoin, they could they could get people. You know, they get people. They get people in that lane, and then wherever you want to go, it's up to you. But as long as you know that, hey, you can invest, or you can you can buy stocks, or you can invest in cryptology, in crypto, in cryptocurrencies. You know, that's going to open your mind to just being uh, financially viable beyond you know just your job, right? Mm-hmm. So we talk about a variety of stuff. Like you know, we talk obviously cryptology. Um, sorry, not cryptology. Cryptocurrency is is the foundation, but we talk about business all the time. You know, because to be quite honest, I'm not even much of a cryptology. I'm sorry, a cryptocurrency investor. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more, you know. My good friend, uh, shout out to Zach. He says that I'm really just an old school industrialist. And that's really what I am. Like, I believe in creating, you know, big projects that 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 are going to affect a multitude of people, you know. Um, because, again, it's, it's, it is an ego thing, but not in that way. But it is about, you know, satisfying my need to leave something behind that, that's beyond just like, you know, leaving some money or you know, a bunch of kids or, you know, people with, you know, um, with no impact, you know, because the thing is, right, um, again, when you think about, you know, who you want to be at the, at, at the end of it all, um, I really believe that that the people that you've impacted, you know, that mm-hmm. that's that's the legacy I want to leave. And it's not for everybody, you know, and I'm not, I don't knock it. I'm not saying everybody's got to do it or everybody, I don't really care or, or you know, it's not even a, a judgment. It's just that that's what I want to do, right? Because I think that I've been, I've been super fortunate, you know, I shouldn't even be sitting here, first of all, you know, so I've been given so many chances and, and opportunities that I got to give something back because I've taken a lot, you know, I've, a large part of my life was just focused on, you know, satisfying my own ego mm-hmm. in some unhealthy ways and some unproductive ways and, and ways that, you know, that my grandmother and, and mother and father taught me better than, you know, so I feel like I, I can, you know, I can, I can, I can focus in it and do positive and productive stuff and with the same energy, if not more energy. So we're going to let you get out of here soon. But tell me about a time when you had to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Um, so my father got sick in March of 2015 and he passed away July 30th, 2015. Mm-hmm. And I remember he was in the hospital in the ICU and um, his insurance had run out. Wow. And my sister was talking to the lead nurse who was very emotional as well. And um, my sister was obviously very emotional. Um, and they basically told us, said, look, you know, um, he's got to go to another facility because your insurance doesn't cover this. So we had to figure that out, right? And I was standing there and I never forget those numbers, you know, that they quoted us about, you know, they said that if he was to stay there, we would have to come up with $13,792 um, for him to stay there each additional day. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we didn't have that. So we put him in a facility, a nursing home that was about four something thousand a month, which we did have. And, you know, I, I just stood there, you know, and um, I just, I just, that was like my second time coming to see him since he got sick because he, he was on a, on a respirator. And, you know, I was standing there and nothing else mattered, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I knew I couldn't lose it, right? I had to, you know, I had to, I had to talk to this woman and I had to be there for my sister, right? And it wasn't on some like fake guy stuff because we both cried, but I couldn't cry at that time. You know, I had to, I had to finish this conversation. I had to f- figure out what we were going to do. You know, and it was it was literally like just a random ass Tuesday. You know, it wasn't even it wasn't what I had planned to do mm-hmm. at that time. It wasn't I didn't I didn't I was just like, hey, my dad is not 
doing well. You know, I'm just in the hospital and he'll be okay, right? Because that's what you think. Like, you know, it's the hospital, so he's just going to stay there and then we'll figure it out. But, right. but that happened, right? And, you know, we have family outside and, you know, we have to we have to convey that to them, right? Share with them, you know, what are we going to do next? And, you know, we, we got together um, and, and moved him, you know, to that, to the, to the um, nursing home. And, you know, that day, for me was really pivotal in a number of ways because it it let me know that that I had not really done anything with my life that I was proud of, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that, you know, when your time comes, right, you never know how it's going to come. Um, because my father, if you would have told me all the ways that my father would have passed, that's the last way I would have thought, right, on a machine. You know, I figured that my father was active, you know, he'd probably die like reading or walking in the mm-hmm. yard or some nonsense like that, right? Something very benign, but I didn't think that. And it also showed me that, you know, as a man, um, and, you know, getting in my opinion, right, what you leave behind is your name, you know, and, and how you impacted other people. And, you know, just to wrap it up, right, like I feel, and I feel for me, um, you know, they, they say that a man spends his whole life either living up to his father's legacy or you know, compensating or making up for his father's mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, I think for me it's the latter, right? And, and you know, I say that as a, as a man who loves his father, obviously. Well, not obviously, but I do. You know, but at the same time, I'm also um, in a place where I can be um, not, not critical, but I can be honest, you know. And I know that some of the things that he did, you know, because of the way he was raised and where he came from are things that I don't want to repeat, right? So watching him gave me the opportunity to, to say, okay, you know, that's not what you want, right? And then, you know, finally, now that I'm smarter and, and more in a better place, I realize that I can learn how to be better, you know, by reading a book or mm-hmm. talking to someone, right? Or going to a therapist or talking to a psychologist or whatever, right? Or, or reading some articles or reading something, right? Or, or, or talking to someone and, and you can figure out ways to become better, right? And so that that doesn't become your legacy, but you have full control over that. Right. I feel like we're going to have to do a, a part two. I'm looking at DeMarcus, our 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 producer here, because we didn't get into some other ventures you have going on. I'm, I'm always. I, I want to dig a little bit deeper into uh, the internal work yeah, that internal uh, work you've is, done. Internal work is, is very, and all that stuff. So I feel important. like you're going to be one of those return guests that we have on the show. Anytime. <laughs> but in it's the interim, where can people find you online? Um, online, I am at. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, LLC Vertco. LLC F E R T C O. Uh, that's on Twitter. Um, on LinkedIn, uh, Raul Wickling. Um, you can find me. Um, you know, anytime. And, and I'm always there because I, I like I said, I, I'm a consultant. So, you know, I, I, I assist people in raising funds and, and going over their business plans and, and just strategic partnerships and all of that good stuff. So that's where I'm at. I feel like you might be a bit of like an international man of mystery, too. <laughs> I'm just put that out there. <laughs> no, no. It's more, it's more like a local man of mystery, but I'm, I'm around. But to our listeners... One thing that I that we are committed to here is building a network, right? Because yeah. there are people who don't look like us, yes. who know a guy, who knows a guy. Absolutely. And and sometimes those connections are the difference between your business being able to live another Absolutely. day or its doors closing. And yes. we have to have access to capital. Yes. This is why this show is not just about inspiration, but it's about the tactical educational pieces Absolutely. and the information that we need Absolutely. to really thrive as a yeah. people. So um, I'm excited about what you're doing, about Thank bringing uh, the, the deep pockets to the people yeah. with the idea and the talent um, and, and serving as a broker of, yeah. of sorts. But I, enc- 
encourage our listeners, especially if you have dreams of entrepreneurship or getting a product or service or brand off the ground, check out what Merle's doing. Uh, check him out online. Get connected to someone who can help yep. you get the resources that you need yep. to get to the next level. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And as always, remember to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Thank you for listening to the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delisha. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa and music was provided by Thoval. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26er. That's December 26ER.